Hello, everyone. You Calgary Side is back with another podcast episode. Your four hosts are over here. Me, that's me, that's Melan. Hitalina. Hi. Anna. Hello. And Laura. Hi. And we've got another special guest with us today as well. And our guest is Professor Kimura Hara. Uh, she's an assistant professor and Canadian research chair, Tire 2, in the Department of Chemistry at the University of Calgary. She currently serves on the Early Career Advisory Editorial Board for Environmental Science and Technology. And her research interests includes the chemical formation and toxicological mechanisms of priority contaminants in drinking and reuse water using advanced mass spectrometry instrumentation and techniques. So without any further delay, um, let's start our today's podcast episode with our first question for uh, Professor Kimura Hara, which is, what attracted you to academia as a career option? Okay. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much, Milan, for inviting me and um, all, of, all of you guys from UNC. To, um, yeah, so what attracted me to academia is what, when I was looking at, at different career options, I think I, I actually applied to many, many uh, career options or considering many career options. But the one that attracted me to academia was um, working with the students. So when I was working as a postdoc, I had to, I was mentoring quite a few um, grad students on their first year. So I had like four grad students working side by side with them, as well as several undergraduate students. And I really enjoy working with them and mentoring them and, and talking to them. So this is one of the aspects that attract me to academia to, to keep on working with the students. Um, and then the other aspect that attracted me as well as a career option was the research. I, I really mm-hmm. like the research. Um, and so that's why I chose to, to pursue uh, this career choice. Nice. And um, where did you do your uh, graduate studies? So, um, so I have a, a quite of a, probably a, a, a different career path uh, that as most chemistry uh, professors here at the department. So I started, uh, I have an a undergraduate degree in industrial engineering. And then I, I pursued a master's and PhD degree in environmental engineering mm-hmm. at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. Um, most of my PhD training was, was chemical I mean, was chemistry focused? I was looking at formation mechanisms of byproducts when you apply disinfection and water treatment. And so um, with that, I was, uh, uh, I, I, I wanted to, to uh, pursue more understanding of all the analytical tools, tools that are out there. And so I did a postdoc in analytical chemistry on, on mass spec and advanced techniques. Cool. Laura is yeah. a chemical engineer, actually. I think I saw her smile when you said yes. that. <laughs> yeah, I was very excited when I heard she was also an engineer. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so yeah, I'm an engineer. And I like engineering. I like chemistry. I like both. So, so yeah, so I have a... So, yeah, my training is not in chemistry. Um, it's in engineering. And that is very interesting, uh, Susanna, because... I, I don't know, like, I, I would like to know 
um, if you found any any challenge when you transitioned to something that was more chemistry related. And the reason why I'm asking that is because a lot of students, when they are recent graduates, they think that each discipline has like these big differences between one and the other. But actually, when you start working, you realize that there is so much knowledge that is transferable. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I was doing chemistry uh, in my engineering degree. And mm. so, and it's not something that somebody told me to do. Uh, when I was looking at my PhD um, project, I chose what I wanted to do. And so I was, you know, offered the opportunity to do more physical chemical projects, mm -hmm. um, uh, microbiology more microbiology and disinfection or or chemistry and disinfection byproducts so so i chose the topic because i like chemistry yeah so uh, and and i didn't leave this up my i have a a bit of more history i actually started as a chemical engineering in mexico um but <laughs> um the university i was at uh you know, um, there was a student strike, so I had to change degrees. So mm -hmm. I won't go into a lot of that. But anyways, um, I originally chose Chem E as well because I like chemistry, I like engineering. And so I was not trained in, in chemistry during my PhD, so I audited, you know, organic classes um, as well as graduate uh, courses. Um, I had really nice... Uh, uh, classmates that were in chemistry that helped me in chemistry-related um, uh, tasks like synthesizing chemicals. I that was one of my proudest moments as an engineer. I was able to synthesize some chemicals, and so so I, it's a it's a learn uh, need to know basis, right? So if I, I need to learn organic chemistry. Well, I'm going to go and learn it because it's needed for my project, and so. Even though I'm not trained in in, in a specific um, area, I could just go and, and learn it, and so that was my approach to grad school. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I feel like that is such a good example, also for everyone who might feel right now that they are studying something that they are not like hundred percent attracted to that, and they feel like, hey, I would like to complement these with something different, but then you can still do it from the major that you're studying, right? Like you can still uh, get your own, kind of like get your own resources and learn things and get trained by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think grad school is 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 there for that. I mean, yeah. you're not an expert. I mean, if, if you're not an expert on, on these techniques when you're going into these projects. That's the whole point of grad school is that you're going to learn them. Mm -hmm. And if it's, and it's more exciting when you're, you know, you don't know, right? So you, you want to learn and explore and see if you like them. So, so yeah. Thank you for sharing that experience with us, Susana. Um, another question that I wanted to ask is that uh, now that you told us that you studied your undergrad in the States, did you see any drastic difference in the in the work culture between the U of C and the other universities you studied and worked? Yeah, so so I did my undergrad in Mexico and I did my grad studies in the U.S. Um, so so diff so it's it's really hard to say um, 
you know, compare University of Calgary with the the U.S. system because the the experience I had in 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 the U.S. was as a student, and here is as a you know a, a assistant professor. So it's it's more work related, slightly different. However, my experience in the U.S. Um, and and I was reading some of your questions. Um, so, so I think environmental engineering in particular, compared to all of the other engineerings, in my department, we were 50% women and 50% male. I'm not sure why, but I think it has to do with the topic of, of environmental science uh, that, that many women are attracted to. And so my department was 50-50. Um, and, 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 um, so, but compared to to other engineering degrees sure there was more uh, more male to female uh, students what about your professors were there also 50 50 um I would need to count but but um, no it wasn't 50 50 yeah there were more male professors um, I would say um, so I'm trying to think really top of my head. Uh, yeah, the majority were were male professors, but it wasn't 50-50. I would say more like maybe 30% were female. Mm. Well, that's a, that's cool. That's lucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, so you were in university um, several years ago, right? Like, I'm not sure how long you've been teaching here. Sorry. Yeah. No, um, it's okay. Yeah, about five years. Okay, so, yeah. Do you think, um, so right now there seems to be a big push towards like EDI, especially in the Department of Chemistry right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm noticing, for example, all of our speakers this semester have been women, which has been amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Do you you find, is that kind of a a new thing that you're noticing or back uh, when you were doing your graduate studies, was there a lot of talk about that or any any signs that um, EDI is being considered in academia? Yeah, um, I think the push for EDI in the department uh, right now is, is, is considerable. People are talking about it, I would say. Um, uh, more so than previous years, and also it's beca- becoming an, an, a requirement, and let's say in, that, in grant applications as well. So people are starting to think about it as well, even though you know um, if it's if it's either your own initiative or as a requirement for for work related activities. Um, and comparing uh, what you know, what we're experiencing now to, let's say, when I started grad school, it wasn't talked about too much, I would say. So, I mean, we always known that engineering, um, there's some disparities and differences in the the student population as well as in the faculty. Um, But but I didn't... I don't recall their specific actions to 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 change that, right? And it seems now there there are more and more. I also observe it in in let's say symposiums at conferences, uh, my professional associations. There's like workshops as well as EDI, and it's something that's you know um, 
um, being more present, I would say, nowadays, not only in, in across different academic institutions and um, professional organizations. Okay, cool. So regarding the working career, that starting from your graduate studies to postdoc and to being an independent professor, so I'm sure you have worked with male and female bosses. So do you feel like feel any differences working with male and female bosses or what's your feeling about that? Yeah, so um so so my my advisor was uh, a male um and my my postdoc advisor was a female. Um in 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 my case, I would say I didn't feel any difference. Um, because, uh, and, and this is one, I, one of the things I tell undergraduate students are thinking about graduate degrees is to, um, get to know who you want to work for first. So there it's a, it's a positive experience for the student as well as for the professor. Um, there's good professors, there's bad professors, doesn't matter if they're male or female. And so... When I chose my post, my PhD advisor, um, I had two years in my master's. I was, I didn't do a thesis as a master, so I was uh, more or less in 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 the department, but uh, wasn't under a research um, project per se. It was uh, more like a independent project, and so I had a chance to meet the professors in the department and talk to them, explore the different uh, areas. And then I chose who I wanted to work with. Um, I had that, you know, uh, opportunity to do that. And, and, when, and when I did that for the postdoc, I also, I recognized the importance of choosing your person you want to work with, you want to have good chemistry, but not all, and, and for me it was as important that they're, that, that they consider important my, not only my academic success, but also my personal well-being. So a well-rounded uh, boss, I would say. So I think in, in my experience, I don't feel diff, like if I was treated differently, I think both of my advisors have been absolutely wonderful. And until this day, I have a really, really good relationship with both. And so it's, yeah, so in my, I mean, they, of course, they're different styles of, of how to lead a group. But in, in general, I, I had a really good experience with both. Yes, that's happy to hear. Like, that's everyone's mm-hmm. expectation, like, right? Even the female or male boss, like, whatever, if you feel comfortable working with and having communication with, that's the greatest advantage for you. Thank you so much for sharing um, your experiences. Um, I have a quick question. Um, since you have s- such diverse experience when it comes to research, you know, um, you trained yourself how to learn when you are not trained in any certain field, which is commendable. Um, I was wondering if you ever um, experienced imposter syndrome because it's so prevalent in academia, and I've been mm-hmm. reading so many articles. I've been I'm seeing so many articles that are getting published. Did you ever feel that imposter syndrome hindered your work? Um, if yes, what kind of methods did you use to overcome it? Or, you know, what's your strategy if it ever happens? Yeah, um, I think I felt it more as a professor than as a student. <laughs> um, 
uh, I, I mean, I definitely felt it as a student. And so I, I think talking it out with your fellow grad student helps because it seems it's, it's, it's a feeling that everybody feels at some point. And some people, I think it goes in cycles. Sometimes you're like in, in the down cycle and then you're just trying to get up and sometimes research goes really well and then you're high up. And so it's kind of like a cycle, right? And so I think as a grad student, I would talk to my office mates about it. Um, and, and as a colleague, as, as a professor, he's, you know, coming into this career option, you, you kind of feel you have to show that you know or that you are part of this and 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 i still feel imposter syndrome um and what has helped me uh, go th um overcome this is talking to my colleagues actually the same as you would do as a grad student talking to your colleagues but it's kind of interesting because sometimes i mean colleagues don't want to acknowledge it right because because you want to show that you're successful, you know what you're doing, and people want to work with you. And so uh, something I found really refreshing in our department is that I had colleagues in our department that has told, has told me about this imposter syndrome. It's like, you know, I, I feel I don't belong. And I'm like, oh, I do too. <laughs> mm -hmm. So so it's, it's, it, it, it's very, it was very refreshing to know that other people feel it in in, in our department, other professors, other pro, uh, professors feel that too. So yeah, so so I'm not the only one. <laughs> so everybody does. Yeah, I'm really glad that you shared that from both perspectives, Susana, because uh, right now I'm working as well, right? And imposter syndrome was something that I dealt I dealt with very hard when I was um, doing my masters. And now that I transition to the industry, I, I could say that I've been only working for a year, so probably I was afraid to mention it, but I completely agree with you, you know, like sharing it with your coworkers and you can tell which coworkers you can share that experience with. And probably there are some that you keep a relationship that is more formal and probably you're not going to be talking about that all the time. But it also shows that not because you're mentioning that you you deal with stuff like that, that you probably feel like you don't know as much um, as you should know for or you're not as prepared for for some reason uh, for to deal with certain situations. That doesn't mean that the person that you're telling that to is going to believe that you are less capable of doing that. So I think um, it is a, it is very good to hear it also from both perspectives that at the end of the day, uh, when you share it and you see that other people are struggling with the same situation, it just feels a lot better and you, you don't feel that lonely in that road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Do you think it ever goes away? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think... Um, I, I think, well, I mean, coming to this position, starting off, I, I did feel that. I think it doesn't fully go away. I think you start building confidence in what you do and, 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 and believe on what you're doing, especially when you're in, new, in a new position, right? So um, I, think, I think it just, it, it does get better over time, I would say. So, so, but doesn't fully go away, I would say. <laughs> 
So what is your advice for new fresh graduates or the fresh starters of the careers about the imposter syndrome like to overcome that? I I mean, I think what has helped me is to talk about it. Like like Laura said with people that you trust, if it's if it's a, a grad student in your office or maybe maybe a grad student in in another group or um so so I think talking about it helps um so in my in my case too it, it helps to talk to my colleagues if you have a counselor maybe you could talk about uh, with them because sometimes these things are just in your head and so and it talks about some insecurities that you have especially in, in a new position so yeah laura the reason why I, I find that it's also so helpful to talk about it is because typically you're surrounded by people that are that you admire. And, mm -hmm. for example, you have a coworker, and let's say you talk to that person and the person shares a similar feeling, right? So you're like, if this person that I admire so much because I feel like they do a good job are going to something similar... I'm pretty sure I can be reflected there, you know. I'm pretty sure that uh, there are people that admire what I do and that feel that what I'm doing is also great. And probably it's just a good reminder of seeing that people that are that are very capable of doing stuff are going through a similar feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think also um, in, in, let's say, in a... In a also, when you start in a new place, it's good to have a mentor um, that can also give you some feedback on how you're doing and and how um, how you can improve or or you know can can give you some constructive feedback as well. So, but again, like a mentor and an advisor, you you want to choose carefully. <laughs> Someone that you get along with, understands, and they're involved in in your work. Um, and can give you some some advice. So so that also helped um, in my case. It's uh, super refreshing to hear um, one of our professors talk about mental health so openly and and talking to people about you know communicating any issues you're going through. I know there's uh, you know certain professors uh, that come from like an older generation who are all about like stoicism and not letting anyone know that you're struggling so it's mm -hmm. really nice to hear this new perspective and I'm really hoping that um, you know this just perpetuates and becomes um, just a normal thing to talk about for our grad students too we have uh, counseling available for free and I know a lot of my co-workers use it and are more and more open about it so I love that I love that about uh, being in school nowadays <laughs> yeah <laughs> I um, absolutely love how you are laying stress on the importance of having an open communication how important mm -hmm. it is because as you mentioned there are some things that are just inside your head but if you mm -hmm. would not put it out there you would never know whether they're real or just you know some fantasies that you are making up in your head because of a tiny failure or a huge failure that you had in your research mm -hmm. so so yeah it's, it's it's really as anna said it's really fresh and refreshing to know that you know you understand the importance of this and you are um delivering it to our audience so yeah really appreciate mm -hmm. it yeah. 
Do you feel like the uh, department as a whole is on board with that? I know you, uh, since Jennifer Love became our department head, I know there's been a lot, a lot of meetings between faculty. Like, what is your impression of uh, just that kind of openness in the department towards, you know, our, our mental well-being and communication and all that? Um, I mean, it, it, I think it. I think it's good. Um, I, I think um, having examples, let's say in my case, uh, as well as Jennifer's and other, you know, colleagues, is good because then it makes it okay for others to talk about it and seek these kind of communications to uh, to, to to talk about internal struggles. Um, again, I mean, I don't talk to absolutely everybody. Just you know people that you feel the most comfortable with, right? Um, and and so, but but there's a big push of, of you know, m- mental health and awareness, especially now during the pandemic. I, I think it has affected everybody. I mean, it's, it's, it's important to, to address um, mental health as well and, and well-being in order to, to be able to to, to cope and, and work and, and then advance in your work. So I think it's great uh, when someone in the department is advocating for things like this, it makes it okay to go and seek for them. So I, I think that's great. Whereas let's say if it was never mentioned in, in, in the workplace, then it, it makes it a little bit harder for people to talk about it, I would say. 100%. Yeah, for sure, for sure. yeah 100% um, agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got a quick question, Sina. Um, being a woman, uh, do you find it hard to balance your professional and personal life? It's something that I just really want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so as you know, or I, I just, I just came back from maternity leave. <laughs> nice. So, <Yes>. um, <laughs> congratulations on the baby. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so, I, I, I think it's a. It's, it's challenging for women, right? Especially if you want to have children and you want to balance a career versus personal uh, life. Um, so, so I think there's, there's a lot of support uh, in the department in, for, for myself and, and to, to, to seek out maternity leave. I had colleagues too that said, if you can't take a year, just take it, you know, just, because you're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when I was before, I was like, well, should I take a year? It does seem like a lot, right? Uh, but but no, I, I follow the advice of, of a male colleague and, to, and took about a year because I think I need it and my daughter needs it. And um, and it's and, and, you know, the department head as well as the deans of, of, of the faculty of science. And, you know, they're all very supportive. And that helps to, in order for, you know, take that time to take that personal time off. It, it is, you know, um, a juggling. <laughs> I mean, and that's for everybody that has a family, right? You have to juggle work and life. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's always kind of like a, a balancing act. Because there's also that, I don't know, for male, and probably this is more 
for women, you, you feel a certain part of guilt <laughs> taking time off work to do these things. But then you have to recognize that, you know, your family is important too. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Sure. And I, and while you were, while you were sharing your experience, uh, Susana, mm-hmm. I was thinking when you were reconsidering if a year was too long, like if taking one year of maternity leave was too long, I was wondering what type of thoughts crossed your mind. Like, why were you reconsidering it? Well, one is, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm still assistant professor. And so I, I need to, to, to be productive in these four or five years. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if I should have taken, taken a year off <laughs> to, to, uh, you know, to, to work on more aspects of the career versus family life. So that was one consideration. Uh, the other one, I think it the most important and, 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 you know, Felina would probably best answer, but my students too, <laughs> because, you know, okay, sure. Your tenure track track, uh, clock stops when you're in maternity leave, but students need to graduate. Right. So you can't ask them to wait a year for you. So, um, you know, I, I did, I did want a maternity leave, but I did work a little bit because considering the different needs of, of the students in my group, some of them had to, uh, graduate. So, I mean, I still needed to read their theses, correct them. <laughs> so I, I did what I needed to do in order for my lab to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Delina. Yes, Laura. I, I want to add something for that because I experienced that. <laughs> Susanna was a really supportive supervisor, uh, as I mentioned before, too. So even though she had maternity leave, I think after about one month or maybe one and a half months, she was always available. Like when we ask something, she's always available via Zoom or just a call. So she was very supportive as an advisor and also as a mentor. So I experienced that and I'm blessed to be in her group. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Selena. I imagine your bedtime stories to your daughter were maybe papers. (laughs) (laughs) Those put me to sleep too sometimes. (laughs) The lullabies, you know? I don't know the lullabies. (laughs) No, no, it's really nice. It's really nice to to learn that you're really realistic and practical. Um, Mm -hmm. Really, you've got to really uh, balance between being a mentor and a professor. This is how we started our conversation, right? That you chose Academia because you wanted to go more into research and become a mentor. And mm-hmm. I feel like you're fulfilling those roles really well based on this <laughs> conversation. You. So yeah, definitely an inspiration right here. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it? So you took a year off or partially off from what Selena's saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about now that you're back? Is it? I mean, your yeah. your child's only one year old. That's still very demanding, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you have any anything that you you do or can advise to people who are in the same situation as you to make it work? Um. So definitely a very supportive partner. Mm. <laughs> That's a secret. <laughs> That's he. He's my. Um, Secret weapon, yeah. He's <laughs> a very supportive partner. Um, we're lucky that he has flexibility in his time. So, 
Um, he he helps me. He's he he put my baby to bed just before our our podcast, and and things like that. Also, I'm I mean it's something new, right? And so I I'm learning to juggle work related tasks versus you know needs at home. And so this summer is is a good example of of time to adjust. Uh, so I'm I'm coming back. I mean I'm slowly getting into the work gear again. But I have the flexibility if I need it at home, I can come. So it, it, the summer is a good time for me to adjust for the fall, where I'm going to start teaching again. One of um, and this is true for for one of uh, my previous bosses and myself is. Uh, <laughs> Start learn how to say no when you're asked to do so many things to do. Uh, one want to be always successful in everything and don't want to let down anybody, <laughs> mm-hmm. including myself. So we try to say yes to everything. Um, and so I think during my maternity leave, I I I said no. I said no to a lot of things except you know, my students and maybe two commitments I had before that are important for me and my career. And so learn to say no. Um, now that I'm getting back to work, I'm, you know, just not say yes to everything. So try to have that balance as well um, of what I need to do, what I would like to do and what I, what I can do. Um so so it's an adjustment. I don't have all the answers. It's a I think it's a learning process and 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 yeah, we'll see how that goes. If if, if I take too much, <laughs> if I say yes too much, then I I need I I, I then need to cut back and say a little bit no, more no's. <laughs> it's so good to hear uh Susanna that it is like a slow transition, right? Um I don't know. I imagine that for like many women that are coming back from maternity leave, it can get so scary that like the the transition can be too ab- abrupt and suddenly you're not spending as much time with your kid and now you want to focus like I don't know, like debating between uh performing great at work and still being available for your kid must be like very hard, but I'm very glad to hear that it is, you know, uh probably is not as abrupt as we imagine it's also like a slow transition and mm-hmm. you discover that you might have to say no to stuff that you would probably said yes in another moment of your life but you start prioritizing right so that's so good i'm really glad to hear that yeah uh, Selena's a mother too do you uh, agree with that do you say no to a lot <laughs> actually I was going to say that so I learned that from Susanna oh. <laughs> when I get overwhelmed I always like go and tell okay this is too much and I'm overwhelmed she always tell me like learn to say no <laughs> and now I'm passing it to my fellow graduates and undergrads so my supervisor told me like learn to say no if it's too much for you and you also have to practice that so I learned it from Susanna <laughs> it's so good to see Susanna that you have been a good mentor Definitely. I I try. I I try. No, she is. She is a very good man. Although Selena's son is what ten now? Eleven years. Eleven. So I feel like you might have been a mentor for Susanna at times. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
But I know like then I'm kind of giving time from my family and my especially from my son and mm-hmm. so yeah I learned it from Susan I'm so grateful now I'm practicing like yeah, to, to say something if it's overwhelming me mm-hmm. no, yeah it's completely understandable mm-hmm. I learned a bit harder way to <laughs> learn how to say no yeah I because I love exploring new stuff all the time and mm-hmm. i would do 11 things at the same time and yeah. then i was barely sleeping yeah <laughs> um and then you know i started prioritizing that you have to you're a human being at the end of the day and you mm-hmm. cannot convert 24 hours into 48 hours no matter how hard you try so, yeah. so yeah it's been it's been a journey so so i'm glad that again you're passing on all this to our audience good to know you need to learn how to say no yeah in fact i feel like part of our degree is like a degree in learning how to say no <laughs> yeah good. but it's like when you have a child it's pretty obvious like if you don't take care of it you know it's not going to be good but i i like to imagine my mental health like a baby i have to take care of <laughs> and if i don't make time for it then it's also going to go downhill so that's a very good analogy on it yeah thank you <laughs> and and people understand i mean yeah. um i mean if you're in a meeting and and you know other faculty or other professor says you know hey guys i need to go i need to pick up my kid people understand right and and some sometimes people are reluctant to say things like that because you know you 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 want to appear and 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 um and not let your colleagues down but you know everybody has kids and, and and people know how difficult it is so so definitely yeah i had that experience yesterday too we had a meeting and i had to pick my son so i had to tell her yeah no and it's i mean completely understandable so yeah so susan i have a question about edi so since we mm-hmm. are a group of like EDI based and we want to promote EDI in university so what do you think about you Calgary side well i think it's great that you guys you know got together and and built this chapter here at the university um and doing activities like today's where we're talking about uh EDI um no i i think you guys are doing a great job um i mean i i like um, Milan was asking me you were here when we started i mean i didn't do anything you guys did everything i was just here if you had questions which i don't know if i helped a lot but you know i think um you know providing support is important that people are behind what you're doing i think it's great um and and yeah no you guys are doing a great job yeah susana but you would be surprised of how important it is to have even if it is like a figure there especially when there are people that are older you know like older mm-hmm. to you than you 
do you feel like when you get the support of those people, you kind of uh, get a reinforcement that you are in the right track? So um, even though that you, you say that right now, you probably felt like you were not that uh, active. I'm pretty sure that um, Milan felt like great support from you. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, yeah. Laura, absolutely. You literally spoke my mouth mm-hmm. out here. So when I was bringing people together uh, in order to lay the foundation outside, all I needed was people and the support, right? Mm-hmm. So you were there and you played a really critical role because having support of faculty members when you're doing something like this in your department means a lot. And, you know, that gave me a lot of boost to actually make it happen. And it's been three years since SIDE was founded. And I'm, I'm really proud of all the uh, events we have organized or all the um, stuff that, you know, we've done so far. It's been, it's been amazing. And I can see the changes within mm-hmm. our department or, you know, outside our department. So, so no, your support definitely means a lot. Your presence meant a lot back then. I hope, I hope you know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> This, this might be a little bit of a hard question on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so with your work uh, in EDI, your involvement in it, do you have anything that you'd like to like see changed in STEM with regards to EDI, like a vision that you have that you'd like to see come true? I mean, it'll be... It'll be great that, you know, we increase uh, EDI in, in, in STEM, right? So um, not to, to kind of erase that disparity of the people that are involved in STEM. Um, that'll be something I, I would like to see. Um, how are you going to achieve that? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not a, it's not, change is not going to, happen overnight so it's a it's a process and 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 i think uh talking about it and and doing activities like you guys are doing is is great uh, seeing leaders and leadership and in, in our department and in our university that are you know trying to implement changes in in that regard are are great um uh and not only that um i just had a you know, uh, an interview as well from one of the research grants that I received and asking me particularly of how can we increase EDI at the universities across Canada. So it's it's not only our department, our universities, it's happening, I think, across Canada and as well in other world uh, global institutions uh, that they recognize this aspect. And, and people are trying to come up ways to address this um and 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 brainstorming with other people in order to 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 increase EDI in in STEM um uh one of the things that really helped me i would say for EDI is at the beginning i i took a leadership course uh provided by uh this organization called Winset um so that helped and, and, you know, connect with other faculty, female members, as well as people that are in work. Um, and, and, and that helped, helped quite significantly in, in my personal experience. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's changes coming and, and hopefully there, that disparity and differences will be reduced. Um, and so there's more representation of, 
of, of women and as well as uh, people with disabilities and minorities? I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I was working on an application and I could see there was this huge portion where they wanted to know about EDI. So I can see that even the forms that I filled lately, within three years, I can see it. I can see it. there's always a question or there's always a suggestion that they're asking, oh, do you need this, you know, so that we can improve our future workshops or conferences. So, so as you said, change doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. That, that's barely, like, it never happens, but, but it's a process that I can see. And I'm pretty sure you can see it as well. So hopefully within a couple of years, things will change for good as well, and everyone will have a space in our community. Mm-hmm. Susanna, I want to thank you for for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. I'm feeling, I'm feeling right now very grateful to know that there are professors at the university that care so much about their students, and also like that they are taking care of giving a good example, you know, even if it is just by taking the right decisions for their own life, which is great. And I'm really glad that you opened up with us and you shared your experience, like kind of like you told us how your uh, journey since you were a student and now that, that you became a professor was. So thank you very much again for talking to us today. Yeah, no, thank you guys and for inviting me and, and have the opportunity to talk to other students. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciated this talk. It's very uh, nice to know, like Laura said, that uh, the department is just really more focusing on mental health and EDI, and it's great. Yeah. No, it was definitely enlightening. Um, Laura and Anna both spoke uh, my mind over here. Thank you so much for joining us, for accepting our invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking forward to having more conversations like this in the future. Yeah. Thank you, Susanna, for accepting our invitation and for the valuable discussion we had today. <laughs> Great. Thank you, guys. And for our listeners, uh, we'll see you next time. For sure. Yeah, watch out for another episode. Yeah, it's going to come out soon enough. (laughs) Keep on listening and we'll see you guys soon. See you guys soon. Bye-bye. Side podcast is created and hosted by myself, Anna Nijvietska, Milan Precor, Laura Rios, and Thelina Jayawardana at the University of Calgary in Alberta. Our theme song is called Better Than Chocolate by the Driftwood Mob Orchestra. For more information about us, you can visit us at our website, ucalgaryside in one word, dot org, or you can follow us on Twitter at ucalgary underscore side. And if this episode has inspired you to give us any comments or if you have any ideas for future episodes or just want to say hello, you can always reach us via email, which is provided in the bio. And we're looking forward to hearing from you.